Hello folks, welcome to The Gory Details Horror Show. I know it's been a bit, it's always been a bit. I take a long time between episodes, I have no excuses for it. Blah blah blah, new computer, blah blah blah. It's the coronavirus and this and that and massive bouts of boredom and depression and being locked in my house. So, what better excuse you go ahead and watch a horror movie and do an episode on it. Now, I do want to do an episode on Perfect Blue at some point. I just watched it for the first time. I really enjoyed it, but I feel like that deserves its own full episode. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to briefly discuss the movie Antrim, which is the deadliest film ever made. We'll see if I'm cursed. So it might take a couple days for me to drop dead, but if uh, my house catches on fire or if I eat something poisonous and or just have a heart attack and keel over, you know why. It is the movie Antrim. You can do a whole investigation into it. Or not. I don't care. You live your life however you want. But this was actually a lot better than I was expecting. It's gotten... Eh, kind of ratings. It's it's a little left and right with how it's been scored. For instance, IMDb has a pretty low rating. I think 4.8 out of 10. I don't get it. I don't really understand the the low score. I get that it's not everyone's cup of tea. So, in the intro part, and obviously there are going to be some spoilers... Um, I'll start by not getting really into any kind of spoilers, and then we'll go into spoilers. But in the intro part, it discusses how the movie is, and we're going to be discussing right now uh, why I think it wasn't successful uh, commercially. But it discusses how the movie is not like a jump scare kind of movie. And I think that actually has a lot to do with how people felt about it. I think the movie does a successful job in building up a sense of dread and anticipation and suspense. And these are the kinds of things that modern horror and movie viewers I don't think are really used to anymore. I think most people want that instant satisfaction, that gratification of being spooked and they want to feel uh, some sort of jolt. And to them, to them, that's fear. That's something scary is like boo jump out kind of shit, even if it's a fucking cat jumping off a cabinet, something like that. They, they want to have that rush. And this movie doesn't provide that. I don't think there's one jump scare in the whole thing. I think there's like one part where it kind of ramps up with the music a little bit, but it's not like a big pop out. You're not getting this giant fear response, an adrenaline push. Instead, you're getting a slow, creeping sort of discomfort and disquiet that makes it most of the way through the movie. Uh, I'd say probably successfully through the entirety if you sat down in the dark and watched it by yourself. Uh, But they also, I really enjoy how they set it up because... In the first few minutes of the film, what you have is a documentary style. And then after the film, they have another documentary style breakdown of this 
cursed movie that is Antrim and its history and theaters burning down and people dying after watching it and all this other stuff. And then they introduce it as like a real movie. So, of course, it's very meta because the movie itself is the full thing with the documentary stuff, kind of like Blair Witch. And then the movie quotes Antrim is in is the majority of the runtime. And then post during the credits, you get a little bit more of them talking to sound engineers and whatever experts in theology or whatever. I don't really know how much of the people that they interview is actually real, um, if they're actually people in those fields or if they're other actors, because that's part of what they do is they build in the beginning and the end this idea that there are these people that are experts that have seen it and have studied it. Obviously, it's not real, but if you were to go into it not knowing about it not being real, I could see it maybe kind of maybe even convincing you that something is up with this movie and that, you know, something like that. And a, a big part, I think, of what makes this movie successful is that it's supposed to be a 70s movie. I think it's like 79 or something that it says on the intro, the uh, the name, and then it has all the information like old 70s movies used to have and the year and all that. And I think that the way that they shot it, um, obviously the film that they used was important. I don't, I don't know because I haven't looked into it, sorry, but I don't think it was put in post. I think they actually shot it with film. Or, and, if, and if they didn't, it really looks like they did, but I don't think they did. And here's the thing that I find a lot of people are not successful with, is even really good filmmakers, I feel that they have this aesthetic and this idea of what an older movie looks like versus what they actually look like. So a lot of times when people are trying to make a call back to 20 cinema or 70 cinema, they give it certain key features like the grainy look or the cigarette burns or this and that. They give it certain features that cosmetically feel like it brings you back. And it's like, it's, it's supposed to evoke that. But when you take a, a deeper look or even just when you feel it in your gut, like part of you knows that the, the movie you're watching is not from that era. And like I said, even great filmmakers, I think, fuck this up. Uh, I think Taya West does a good job uh, with House of the Devil and kind of evoking that, that 70s feel. But, and I know Rob Zombie shoots for that all the time, but I think he's good at Grindhouse as opposed to actually recreating 70s movies. Like, maybe some of the shots, maybe some of the, the concepts, but at the end of the day, he kind of does his own thing. This movie, I sincerely feel like the way it's shot, it, I do believe that it could have been made in the 70s. Obviously, it wasn't, but... Once again, if you were going into this not knowing anything about the movie and thinking that it's an actual documentary beforehand, and then this film, it really has that aesthetic, not only cosmetically, which it has, but also some of the shots, some of the, the looks of the actors, some of the, just the overall feel of the movie, it, it really does call back to that, and that's 
part of why I think it's successful. I think if they weren't able to pull that off, the movie just wouldn't have worked. So, and that would have been really easy to screw up. So that by itself, I think, warrants a better score than what people are giving it. So, to get a little bit more into the movie itself, so I guess spoilers at this point. The idea is not something that hasn't been done before. This idea of media that kills you. For instance, I wrote a short story back when that's on Amazon, on Kindle. You can get the hard copy or whatever under Casey Pletcher. My short stories of horror and stuff in which... Uh, I had written a story about a concert that somebody wants to go to that uh, ends up driving people insane and kills them. So this, and this, and that's not my, I like to think that that's my kind of idea. It's not. It, it's the, the concept of media or art that kills you is something that goes way back. And this does a good job of building that mythos, but also giving you something compelling and ritualistic and like there are things over that are overlaid on top of the film which is not surprising symbols and stuff like that and then there are parts where it breaks away into essentially like the devil staring at you which i think is a lot more unnerving and effective than most jump scares you're gonna get. Just like the 15, 10, 15 seconds or whatever it is that you're just staring this devil thing in the eyes. And I watched this during the day and once again, it, it, it kind of unnerved me. And like they say in the documentary part, gets under your skin. Maybe I was set up with that documentary part saying that. And if so, hey, whatever, that's successful too, it worked. But some of these kind of like ideas, like that just staring this creature in the eyes and like the the way that they create the demons in almost a uh, early early cinema kind of look to them it's it's not like insidious demon it's not um whatever you want to think of modern cinema demon it's very old school like very early early film idea and look to their creature design and once again, that is surprisingly successful. Also, their use of lighting, uh, some of the shots that they use, the angles that they're using. When the uh, main uh, actress, what's the main character? Female. Um, when she, oh, give me a second, I'll look up her name. But when she's initially evoking, um, not evoking the demon, but like giving the prayer to keep them safe and it's darkening out uh, orally, I guess, is the character, and then Nathan is the boy. So it's kind of darkening her face and pitch shifting, and the light is kind of slowly pulling uh, inward, well, outward, I guess, getting darker and darker. And it's an upward shot. The angle's weird, like the sun's in the background. That's the thing, too. A lot of this takes place during the day, which is even better because it's easy to make a movie in the dark and at night. It's hard to make a film that's spooky that takes place during the day. That's extremely difficult. I think they did a good job of that. Irreversible. As there they were go. saying in so the post-credit post post that, post that, stuff, this I've use of that sound and binaural beats reminded me of something that, that makes you uh, unnerved in what is that's it? going on in the background. Uh, Whatever the case may be, it's got this binaural beats in this movie and these sounds I, it must be nuts to wear headphones when you're watching this because even without them 
I know that personally I get pretty affected by those binaural beat noises and it, it really does, it heightens, at least for me, it heightened my awareness in a way that brought me into the movie, kept me focused and kept me unnerved, but at the same time, there's something gripping about it because that that auditory envelopment that you're getting from these background noises and then juxtaposed with like what you're seeing and all of these the way that they lay out the images, the way that they shoot it, the way that it feels more real. It's not over the, it's over the top, obviously, because they're in hell, but it's not so ridiculously over the top that it jars you. It, I was, I kept waiting for some point where there was some weird CGI crap or something, and it never came. Instead, you have a daytime brother and sister digging a hole, and shit's going weird, and... You got that, you know, the two guys who I'm not sure if they were, well, they leave everything ambiguous of what is real and what isn't kind of towards the end. But the two guys that are, quote unquote, demons, that are one of them fucking the deer or whatever. So, yeah, so you got a lot of stuff in there that is grounded uh, in some sort of reality and then some stuff that isn't. But nothing that feels out of context with the movie, except I think when they jump in and they have those weird flashes to those people in a basement or whatever. It looks like they're being tortured or murdered or whatever. That kind of goes unexplained and it's a little, I think, ineffective. I think it kind of is a disservice to the movie. But outside of that, I really enjoyed this film. I would highly recommend it. Uh, So... It's on Prime now, I think right now, Amazon Prime for free if you have Amazon or whatever. So give it a watch. Um, Watch it in the dark, put some headphones on if you can, or even during the day, it's pretty spooky. So that is that, and I am going to cut away now to my one of my new songs. I'm actually producing some new music again. So this is under the label Casey Edwin. You can find on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere you want to listen to music. Song is called Shinigami. I'm gonna play that out, and I hope you guys have a nice day. No reason to act surprised. I am the Shinigami Ryuk. That used to be my notebook. Judging by your laughter, you've already figured out that what you have is no ordinary notebook. Time to die. 
It will fall on me to write your name in my death.